Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our wealthmanagement.com industry awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Wealthies Podcast. My name is David Armstrong. I'm the editor of WealthManagement.com. And this, as you know, is the podcast where we speak to finalists of our 2021 WealthManagement.com Industry Awards. And joining us today, Heather Kelly, Senior Vice President, Head of Advisory and Strategic Accounts with Allianz Life Financial Services. Heather, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. It's great to be here. Uh, before we get into what the judges recognized you for, and I think the finalists uh, uh, here is the Conversations That Matter project, big ambitious project that uh, uh, I think advisors will find a lot of interest in. Tell us a little bit about what you do there at Allianz and uh, what your role is. Certainly. So I joined Allianz about a year and a half ago, uh, came to Allianz uh, by route of Goldman Sachs uh, via United Capital. And what brought me to Allianz was really work with Allianz when I was in my previous role, and they were amazing partners uh, and really dedicated to advancing risk management and insurance solutions in the advisory and RIA space, um, a channel that has really been a little bit resistant in part to insurance, but has also leveraged other tools. So it's been a great education um, endeavor, I would say, and have just really enjoyed it. But in addition to advancing the advisory channel, I'm also working with the team on standing up our employer markets uh, initiative, which we just uh, made a fantastic hire recently. So pretty excited about that endeavor. And then also oversee our strategic accounts area, which is relationship management with all our banks, broker dealers, wirehouses, and institutions. So it, it's, it's a lot of diverse uh, items that I get to touch and it keeps me interested and intrigued. And it also keeps me on the front edge of what's happening in the wealth management industry, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is very cool. And it's a it's a, a wide remit that you have there, it seems like. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the the Conversations That Matter project, because this is what the judges uh, I recognized Allianz for uh, in our newest awards. Uh, this was, I think, an ambitious project. It was based on some proprietary research that you all did. Uh, uh, it underpinned a lot of content creation, articles, podcast series. Uh, you know, there's a lot there. Uh, when you talk about the Conversations That Matter project, how do, how do you define it? So fortunately we had um, a consultant that worked with us on it. So Marie Swift's organization, Impact Communications uh, partnered with me. And you know, two things I would highlight with this survey was one, it was really important to reach out to a significant number of advisors, but do it pretty quickly because the information that we were receiving back was very timely. It all centered around the initial stages of COVID, how it was impacting the advisor and how it was impacting the client. Um, and really tried to glean what was going to be most impactful going forward um, when connecting with the advisors. We kind of had an inkling that, you know, the COVID environment, the days of webinars and video calls were not going to be short-lived. It was more something that was going to be around for quite some time, but also wanted to understand from the advisor's mindset you know, what the future of maybe wholesaling and client interaction might look like and how much of the tools that we became accustomed to, you know, the velocity of change during the beginning of the pandemic and folks adopting technology was just so significant. Um, also wanted to hear from this community what they thought would, would continue post the pandemic and post the crisis. 
So it was really interesting to hear what their thoughts were and, and kind of get a feel for what they thought the future would look like looking into that crystal ball. Yeah, that's interesting. I, anecdotally, my remembrance was when uh, uh, the pandemic first surfaced and there was a great switch to uh, video conferencing as the primary mode of communication, uh, you know, it's when we were all isolated. Uh, there was briefly there a feeling that that was going to be a short-lived transition and soon we would all be back to face-to-face -face meetings. What did you find when you're talking to advisors? That 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 belief in the short-lived uh, transition is, is kind of faded away, right? I mean, uh, I think we're all aware that these other modes of communication with clients are here to stay, correct? Correct, correct. And, you know, I think that that's been validated over time. I don't know, um, like you said, early on in the pandemic that uh, many advisors and, or clients really thought that that would last for more than six months. I mean, some of the, you know, feedback that we've heard from advisors, though, was, you know, just the timeliness that they reached out to their clients, offering the omni-channel, the different mediums, you know, could we, they could do a phone call, they could do a video chat, um, was important because that in-person face-to-face interaction was lost. And, you know, a lot of what advisors do takes a high level of acuity and emotional intelligence. And it really was a little bit of a challenge initially to figure out how to apply those skills that, that were so inherent and embedded in them in that virtual environment when they couldn't be sitting right across the table from the client. I, most advisors, though, I think were pleasantly surprised with how quickly that them, and, and it wasn't only them, it was them and their teams were able to adapt and pivot to the technology. Uh, and the same was true with clients. I do think that um, many clients did take advantage based on the feedback that we heard on um, the advisors reaching out and having that ability to do a video chat. Um, but there were also still quite a number that were still more comfortable just you know, leveraging the plain old telephone and having a phone call as well. Um, so I think advisors learned quickly that they had to morph to whatever medium was going to be most comfortable for their client, given the typical medium wasn't available. When you were talking to advisors about that transition, uh, did you get a sense of which, and I know this is going to be a, a broad question, but which advisors more quickly and rapidly and easily made that transition compared to other advisors? Were there any traits or characteristics of these advisor groups uh, amongst the ones that you know made the transition quickly and those that maybe struggled a little bit more? I think that advisors that had clients that might not have remained in their geography, there were some advisors where you know, clients as they retired migrated away from, you know, I'll use uh, the Northeast as a perfect example or the Midwest. You know, in the Northeast, many people retire and they go down to Florida. In the Midwest, they may go to Florida or Arizona. Um, so as advisors had built their practice over the years, um, many of their clients retired and moved away. So the clients that had more of that retiree population that migrated, they were already somewhat accustomed to, to working with clients and not that, you know, not having the um, ability to have that face-to-face -face on an ongoing basis. You know, maybe they met with their clients once once a year face-to-face, -face, but everything else was done over the phone. Um, so I, I think those advisors had the easiest time adapting. Um, those who did not use technology heavily beforehand uh, obviously had the hardest time, 
What I think is interesting, though, is when we look at the advisory space and IARs and RIA space, particularly, you know, many of those advisors tend to be more tech savvy. Yeah, and uh, you hold with this idea that the uh, the pandemic basically accelerated a technology trend that was already underway. Uh, it just compressed, a, as some people say, 10 years worth of the trend into one year uh, during the pandemic. Is that what you found? I definitely found that and I experienced that. And, you know, even speaking with many colleagues, or if I look at, you know, how, for example, Allianz approaches wholesaling, you know, I think wholesaling is forever changed. Um, there will definitely be that face-to-face -face interaction, but I think that that parallel applies to the advisory space. I think advisors are now equipped with technology and comfortable with technology that really they can think about their business in a different way entirely. They now have the ability where, you know, typically an advisor looks at their, you know, maybe 15, 20 mile radius of, of their office and that's where their client base is. And those are the clients that they are most likely to connect with. Now that we have the ability of technology um, and staff and advisors have gotten comfortable with it, it really can expand what growth initiatives that they might um, embark upon coming in the future. Yeah, not tied to geography as much as they have been in the, in the past. And, and I think there were advisors that prior, prior to the pandemic were already kind of on that train. Uh, maybe younger advisors, a little more tech savvy advisors, uh, but it definitely accelerated during the pandemic. I, the other thing that you guys looked at, and, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, the kind of the acuity and the, the tone, the kind of emotional tone that advisors take with clients and what might be missing in a video chat that was there in a face-to-face -face meeting. And, and maybe there were some ideas about how to replicate that uh, in these different modes of communication. Uh, you know, there, certainly there are a lot of subtle signals that are given off in face-to-face -face meetings that maybe don't get translated into uh, uh, video remote communications. And maybe advisors weren't even really aware that they were using that information or communicating in those ways, uh, but then found in the video chat or other modes of communication that it wasn't going so well. What did you guys find in terms of that emotional tone and acuity and, and nonverbal signals that maybe got missed or translated in, in, a, in, the, in the shift? It's interesting because the advisors, when they were reaching out to clients early on in the pandemic, um, oftentimes were encountering um, clients who were feeling very uncertain. And I think the entire population was feeling very uncertain, but retirees also were feeling extremely isolated. Um, you know, an easy example I can use is just something that's personal and, and, and hits right home for me is like, I had my mom, she was completely isolated. She was, you know, locked down in her house with just herself. Um, you know, in my household, it was a little different. It was myself, it was my husband, it was my son. So there was just a little bit more um, human interaction on an ongoing basis. So you know, one of our advisors even said, you know, that when they were reaching out to their clients, the, the level of isolation that some of their clients were feeling were profound and significant. And it actually led to longer conversations with these clients that were much more intimate. Uh, so for some advisors, it was really just making sure that they were carving out more time. What they may be able to accomplish with the client in a face-to-face half an hour meeting may have been an hour or an hour and a half long phone call with the client. So just managing, managing that time and, and knowing what the client is going to need from him or her was, was really important or their staff. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, again, I mean, this idea of like knowing your client, uh, 
is something that advisors always had to do, but you're suggesting the pandemic has uh, thrust them into a situation where they need to know their clients in, in maybe a deeper, more intimate way. Yes. And what I thought was really interesting in one of our, uh, one of the questions that we asked, um, we were really, you know, focusing in on what was most appreciated from the client. Um, and it, it surprised me a little bit. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a front runner by significant, but gratitude and empathy um, during the uncertain times that the advisor was able to deliver was one of, was, was the top for that question. And that was at 15%. So like I said, it didn't, it wasn't blown out of the water, but it was still the top response. And when, when some of the other options that were given were, you know, actually talking about their financial plan or providing financial guidance or financial lessons that they expected to be learned um, ranked below that. So I, I thought that that was a little bit surprising that, you know, when you thought about what the client valued the most during the early times of the pandemic with their relationship with their advisor, that the, uh, the gratitude and empathy and guidance that the advisor delivered was, was the top of the list. And, and not always an easy thing for advisors to do, right? I mean, we're taking advisors who traditionally, you know, investment allocation, risk tolerance, uh, goals-based planning, and then suddenly putting them into the role of, I guess, I don't know, life coaches, maybe too strong of a word, or psychologist. Uh, that's not an easy transition for a lot of advisors to make. No, it, it is challenging. And I think it can be emotionally draining too. Um, I'm sure it has taken a toll on advisors and their staff. Um, but when we think about advisors and skill sets that they bring to the table, you know, David, as we, we talk about this conversation, it really, it shines a bright light on it that two of the skills that the advisor is going to need going forward is, you know, very adept in technology and how to leverage it and how to use it properly. Um, when executing their in their business, um, but also a high level of emotional intelligence and in how to guide and coach their clients. Yeah, not an easy thing to do. Did you notice at all in the, in the research uh, any change in the way uh, advisors used uh, the remote communications uh, over the course of the pandemic? And I say this because I seem to remember, if you remember, in the first few months of the pandemic, uh, you know, everyone was pushing this idea of uh, the Zoom happy hour, the, you know, uh, meetings uh, for uh, non-work-related kind of activities over video remote. And that was big for about two or three months, and then it just sort of fell away. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, earlier about how you know, there's some relief to not always be on video communication, uh, to not always have the video uh, parts and, you know, whatever happened to the good old conference call, right? Uh, you know, that seems to have kind of gone away too with this. People seem to, to favor video communications always and not everyone's that happy about it. Have you noticed any change with advisors over, over the course of the pandemic, how they engage with this kind of new remote communication? I have. And what, what, you know, a couple of things. One, I'll tie back to the survey. Like when we looked at the first six months, only 8% um, of clients were um, sharing with their advisors that they were really thrilled about the variety of webinars, podcasts, video calls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what was really most important to them were, were just periodic phone calls checking in. That And that was, that was a front runner. That was 56% of clients felt that, you know, just the advisor picking up the phone um, and touching base with them was what was most appreciated. Mm. Um, as we think about the pandemic and as, as we've marched down this path and 
we have webinar exhaustion. Um, and, but it's interesting too, because there is something about seeing somebody on video. You know, there's something that happens in our brain that just makes us think that we've actually seen that person. And like a, a perfect example, there's many instances where somebody hasn't met another person face to face, but has met them many times over a video call and they feel like they know them. But there's also a certain level of exhaustion that comes with that. So I think, you know, everybody is just trying to figure out what is that health, healthy, delicate balance between phone calls and video conferences. And then it's also just making sure um, that you're in tune with your clients. So whether it's, you know, Allianz working with the advisors, making sure that we're actually querying them and saying, you know, would you rather a video call or a phone call? Um, advisors are doing the same with their clients and more and more times now it's, it's phone calls instead of, instead of video conferencing. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that the nature of advisors with their clients in some ways mirrors the nature of uh, uh, vendors or wholesalers or, or uh, 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 businesses that sell into the advisory channel like Allianz and, and those communication patterns have sort of mirror each other. You mentioned earlier that uh, the conversations between advisors and their clients mirrors in some ways the conversations between wholesalers and advisors or vendors to the advisory industry and advisors. And I was just hearing what, what you found uh, at Allianz. Uh, how else are you guys working with advisors? What do you find that advisors are seeking from wholesalers? Uh, you know, it used to be the steak dinner and the golf balls and the trips. Uh, that's no longer the case. When you work with advisors, what, what do advisors get the most value out of from your perspective? I think you're totally um, correct and spot on. You know, the steak dinners have definitely um, lessened in their impact and in their desire from advisors. What we found that advisors are really looking for is education, innovative solutions, and support. Um, and what Allianz has done to, to meet the advisor where he or she is uh, in their practice and in their business model is really create different resources within the walls of Allianz. And some of this started, David, even before the pandemic. So we stood up a fintech desk a number of, about two and a half years ago, maybe a little bit longer now, um, that just had, that staffed with individuals who are, you know, well-schooled in the financial industry but really are there to work with advisors to help them with their planning softwares and make, assuring that annuities are properly modeled there. Um, we also have different points of distribution inside the walls of Allianz. So of course we have our traditional broker-dealer distribution, which is our, our, our Allianz Life Financial Services. And those are our wholesalers that go out and work with um, those institutions directly. But we also have our um, FSO distribution, which works with our independent marketing organizations and um, works with advisors that are leveraging a multi-carrier, multi-platform uh, distribution point of access to um, avail themselves of Allianz products. But we've also stood up our uh, advisory services um, and that team is working specifically with the RIA community and helping them integrate and educate them on how to integrate insurance and risk management solutions into their practice. The other item that Allianz has done is really focus on how do we innovate on, on the product side. So Allianz has long been a leader in delivering income solutions with our annuity product offerings, but we've now forayed into the buffered outcome ETF product offering as well. 
And what our goal is, is really to be able to help advisors with solutions for their clients um, in that defined income um, or buffered income space. Yeah, they, I mean, the buffered outcome ETFs are, are interesting. For advisors who maybe aren't that familiar with them, can you just give us a quick uh, breakdown of what they are? I mean, these are, uh, I guess, kind of, in a sense, guaranteed income ETFs, I guess. Uh, but how, how would you describe them? Um, I wouldn't use the word guaranteed. Uh, I, I would I would save that strictly for our annuity product line. Um, but they are a way for investors to be in the market, but have um, some buffers on the um, lower ends of the market as well as on the upper ends of the market. So there are caps and there are also floors. Yeah, um, and let me say why. Uh, I mean, I think. I know the answer, but why do annuities have such a hard time in the RIA market? Is it simply the compensation structure doesn't necessarily work or uh, is there kind of a, a unmerited skepticism among some advisors over annuities? I, I think it's twofold, David. One, I think that there is skepticism. I think many advisors um, maybe haven't used annuities for a long time or possibly never used annuities. And their experience is the experience that their clients have had or thinking about annuities of you know, 15, 20 years ago with really high expenses. Overly complex, non-transparent, costly. Exactly, exactly. Um, now, as we fast forward, you know, there is a whole additional offering in the marketplace. You know, our traditional com uh, commission-based annuities have definitely um, serve the client differently and are much more transparent and the fees are, are tamped down. I mean, the entire financial services industry, whether it's insurance or investments, has, has gone through a period of fee compression, um, so delivering greater value to the client. But also we've come out with fee-based annuities. Um, and in the fee-based annuity space, what many carriers are trying to do, Allianz particularly, is I mentioned earlier, meeting the advisor and his or her business model. Um, so I think that there were some barriers to advisors engaging. One, it was spending the time to educate them, but two, it was really being able to um, enable the advisor to transact um, easily instead of very, you know, a very complicated and disjointed manner. Um, so, for example, what Allianz has done is we've worked with the different um, outlets that advisors use, whether it's Black Diamond or Orion, and making sure the connectivity is there and the piping is there so it's easy for advisors to integrate it into their practice, but also to execute. And again, going back to the fee-based products, bringing products to the uh, marketplace that are aligned with their business model. So easier to bring annuities into uh, a financial plan, a comprehensive financial plan, uh, as opposed to just uh, being the, 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 the product that they take off into retirement with them. I, I think that that's a great point. I, many advisors um, think of annuities and it being a product sale and something that was just sold to the client. Uh, to your point exactly, it is much more integrated into the plan. And the advisor is really sitting in a buyer seat and has that buyer's mentality instead of a seller's mentality. Um, so just working with advisors to help them understand, do their due diligence. Um, you know, I've even had actuaries get on the phone with advisors or meet with advisors prior to the pandemic 
to really get them comfortable with the mechanics of the annuity, how it works and how it integrates into the client's plan. And most importantly, how it really does deliver that ground level income guarantee for the client in the retirement years and amplifies the overall plan. Yeah, that's great. Um, going back to the conversation that matter project, there's been some uh, outputs that uh, are out there now, some toolkits and, and other material that uh, advisors might find useful. Uh, what, where can they find it? And if they look for it, what can they expect to find there? Um, so one of the best places to go would be uh, Allianz Life RIA microsite um, and working with our advisory team. So Matt Omi and his team had that up and they are a phenomenal resource. And what they would expect to find is tools and resources that are going to help the advisor um, work with the client, work with their staff and really shepherd them through the process of looking at advisory solutions that Allianz offers and how they can integrate that into the practice. Um, we have our advanced planning and strategies platform also, which will um, extend CPAs and attorneys um, and advanced market specialists to advisors. So if they have a complicated uh, situation or challenge on the estate planning side, on you know just basic financial planning side, charitable giving, we have a whole um, team of specialists who can help shepherd that advisor through that process. Okay, well, that's great. Would highly recommend it to advisors check that out. Uh, Heather, thank you very much for joining us and congratulations on the uh, finalist for the Conversations That Matter project. Uh, and thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, David. Fingers crossed. And uh, I appreciate you having me. Okay. This has been The Wealthiest Podcast. I'm David Armstrong. We'll talk to you next time. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.